On today's show, let's talk about the worst loss of the Cavs season. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at GameTime. Download the GameTime app today, make an account, and use our code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Damrell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens. As always, Lockdown Cavs, your daily look at all things Cleveland Cavaliers. Today's show is about the worst loss of the Cavs season, a 103-97, to I believe, loss to the Portland Trip, 195, one of the two. Doesn't matter. Crappy loss against a bad team. And Evan, um, Cleveland, the, the mood after the game and the limited availability with athletes was telling, but I, I think to start with the performance, this was a sloppy performance, not sharp at all. Even when they were up by double digits, it wasn't Locked in. It wasn't tight. It was they messed around, blew a big lead twice, and lost to a team that, frankly, they're better than. This was a Boobirds game from the fans. This is just a straight-up, flat-out bad loss. And in fact, if you spit it otherwise, you're you're full of it. Yeah, you're definitely full of it. Um, put it more lightly, I think the Cavs messed around and they found out in this game. Um, it certainly felt like uh, I was talking with Ethan Sands from Cleveland.com about this after the game, but it, it felt like maybe four or five minutes left in the second corner quarter, excuse me, Cleveland was up 10, 12 points. And there was moments, maybe the Pistons um, or sorry, not the Pistons, the uh, Blazers, excuse me, were nipping at the heels of the Cavs. But the Cavs kept them arms like the way. And I thought like, okay, this is a better team taking care of business against um, a bad team. And then we, we saw what happened. Uh, Donovan Mitchell said post game that the Cavs got complacent and the Blazers just kept fighting and fighting and executing. And more than anything, I think Shaden Sharp just going absolutely bonkers from three point range and just the Blazers once again, exploding the fact that the Cavs just aren't the best at defending the perimeter currently um, really came back to bite them. And uh yeah, there's not really much else to it other than the fact that this is just a bad loss. We can get into the nitty gritty and the minutia of it and maybe why it was a bad loss. But if you bake the entire season based off this one game or if you couple it with the Lakers game a few nights ago, you're in for a bad time. The Cavs are now 19, 18, 19 games into the season at this point. Um, there's still going to be a lot of figuring out and learning and growing from this group as they just kind of figure just evolve and take the next steps. And to quote, um, somewhat quote the great Bill Belichick, I would just say they're on to Detroit at this point. Like they, they're going to try and let this roll off their back, learn from the mistakes and just move on to the Pistons. Here's the thing though. I, I get what you're saying about like, Hey, the, you can't bake the whole season on this. That's true. Like this is an 82 game season, but this is the kind of loss that you just shouldn't have. No, it, it, it shouldn't be a loss, but. I, I'm I not saying it's apples or oranges, but like the 72 win Bulls did lose to the expansion Raptors, and it was one of their few losses okay. that year. Yeah, but like the 70, like the, there's the time. I'm again yeah, saying not apples that's, to apples. That's an, that's an insane comparison. That's an insane comparison. Brother in Christ, listen, I'm just saying like these losses do happen too, and like they're ugly. 
And hopefully you think if you're the Cavs, like this is a bit of a quote unquote wake up call, but I would, you know, rather say that the loss to Miami the day before Thanksgiving was much more humiliating than this one. But yeah, like there's a lot of my just stuff that the Cavs abandoned in this game. And I think that's just the frustrating thing. And you hope at least internally that this is a turning point for them because they can't seem to get out of their own way sometimes. Here's the thing. Yeah, I, I think this is just straight up a worse loss than the Heat loss because that loss, it's like, okay, you played the night before. You just beat a really good Philly team. You're a little fatigued. Schedule loss, okay? That happens. This is a game where you led by double digits at two different points to a team that had five wins coming into the night that isn't good that you just beat while being less healthy. And then you ended up losing by eight. You ended up trailing by double digits. You have Matisse Thibel out here hitting off the dribble, pull up three pointers on you in the corner. Like Malcolm Brogdon's attacking you, Shaden Sharp's just cooking you. Like I, this is one of those losses that it's just it, it's embarrassing. Like there, there's some stats you can look at that Portland didn't even play well, and yet you played so much worse that you lost. I, this was like a team that wasn't focused, that doesn't have the excuse of hey, we played the night before and traveled and we're tired. Like they just kind of showed up and tell you something about yourself when you play like this to me like this is one of those games Donovan Mitchell talked about this post game he said like I expect the guys to wake up and like this is a wake-up call and you take this and this is uh, a Rubik like this is like you cross this Rubicon and you come out the other side and you figure things out but I this is just one of those losses when you look at it and you look at how they played and you look at everything that went into it it's not really excusable and if like there's a people should feel validated than booing I think if you want I I've gotten I've at least three texts so far, and I'm, I've, I've, I don't have my texts up now. I will look after the show. I've gotten three texts from people that I'm friends with who are passionate fans of this team who are like, should, J- should they just fire JB now? Can we get Becky Hammond? Can we get ex-coach? Like, I understand that's reactionary, but this is that, like, Evan, this is just a I, bad I, loss. I, I too, bad loss. I have a feeling we have a mutual friend who texted both of us the same question, but I too have gotten those questions and I said, yeah, this is a bad loss. And I think you and I are talking about this before the show uh, got rolling because I have it in notes like the JB got outcoached by Chauncey Billups in this game, like flat out just outcoached by Chauncey Billups. And I was saying heading into this game, Chauncey's one of the worst coaches in basketball. So there's something that's got to give there. But you, this is where I just say like you can't bake it, but like going forward, like Brian Windhorst has said it, and I think like you have to be objectively blind or paid by the team not to say that like, yeah, JB is on some precarious footing heading into the season. Like if things aren't great 20 plus games into the season, it is time to start questioning about his job stability and or just security because like the Cavs need a shot in the arm. And what if you go internally and you bring up Greg Buckner, who has been with JB since Memphis and has been kind of just his second hand guy for the longest time? I don't know if you want to do that. Do you look at Dave Yeager? Possibly. Do you look at Luke Walton? Possibly. Or do you just clean house or you bring in like an outside hire like um, Mike Budenholzer or something just to kind of like right the ship and maybe give them some type of offensive di- identity similar to maybe what the Hawks did with Quinn Snyder last season. And that could be the jolt or maybe the shock the Cavs need. But I'm just of the mentality of like, listen, the Cavs have had some pretty ugly losses. They're a game above 500. It's a disappointing start to the season without a doubt in my mind. Uh, I think we should do like a full like analysis yeah. of the first quarter of the season just to say like what has and hasn't worked for this team. Um, there are certainly caveats that come with it, whether it's like injuries and things like that. But 
I'm just of the mentality of like, yeah, I think it's fair to question like, hey, does JP have job security? I don't think he ever really had full job security heading into the season. And a loss like this can certainly be held against him if like the Cavs suffer another ugly loss, like God willing, the Pistons on Saturday, or let's say they get destroyed or not destroyed, but they lose to the Magic in a pretty spectacular fashion on Tuesday at home again, or they lose to Miami a second time and not too long of a stretch. Like these next few games, it's going to be a game by game basis, I'd say, for like Bickerstaff's job security, because Jason Lord of the Athletic and other people have said at this point, like Dan Gilbert is more involved with the organization now. And Dan is not known as a guy who's been patient. He'd rather see results right away rather than trusting the process. So I don't know. I think it's fair to ask that question. I think it's fair to wonder, like, is he going to lose the locker room with the Cavs? let this keep going and maybe they lose a season that does have the potential to be something special is by just based on the offseason moves they made and the fact that they have Darius Garland, Evan Mobley and Donovan freaking Mitchell on their roster. Like I think all this stuff is fair to question, but, and again, like him getting out coached by Chauncey Bill, I was like, that's a pretty strong demerit against Bickerstaff. And this is a guy on, at least on my side of things where I'm like, eh, I think JB has earned the benefit of the doubt. And some of these games are like, he's out coached some opponents, whether it's a, uh, Mike Malone in Denver, or he did some really good stuff against Darvin Ham and the Lakers. And like, there's moments in this game, in these games, you're just like, yeah, he has good moments. And then there's just others where like the Cavs just can't get out of their own way. And I, I, I can't quite figure out what the full issue is. Maybe it is coaching, maybe it's health, maybe it's the depth not being as cohesive as maybe many had hoped to start the season like it was last year. But I don't know. And I think that's where you and I kind of have to go in and do like a full body or cavity search to figure out like, okay, this is what's working. That's what isn't working. But to your point, like, yeah, those texts only popped up on my phone too. Like, is JBF job security going forward? Is he, should he be fired? And I said, I think my reply most commonly was, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I can't say yes or no right now. And I'm just going to take it on a game by game basis. I think. Segment three, we're going to, we're going to touch on what, they, where they go from here, and next week we, we should do that. That deep that's a great job. But after this, let's get into some awards. I, I I'm just gonna say now, we're just punting on MVP. Normally we do MVP stat and I play the night. I'm just gonna cross off MVP because if we were to give an MVP it, for it's, this it's, game, it's probably Donovan Mitchell because he woke up in the second half of the fourth quarter and like tried yeah, to I, will the Cavs back into this one. Literally the only player on the floor at the end of that and, and part of that fourth quarter that was actively showing some. Green fight and at least visibly outside the outside, but we'll do stat of the night, play of the night after this. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook and the official sportsbook of Lockdown. You can score this NFL season with FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action because of that great offer. And the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season and check out their NBA odds as well. They have odds up right now, for instance, for the in-season tournament, which concludes Next week with the quarters, the semis, and the final. That's next week. And they'll have the Cavs games that are on the schedule next week as well. So right now, FanDuel.com slash Locked On. And that's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and the official sports book of Locked On. 
Alright, so in my stat of the night, I've got two. So let's do this one first. Cavs had a half-court offensive rating. Jackson Flickinger, thank you for shouting this out to me. And then I went and looked at it and stared at it and was like, how can you be that bad? They had an offensive half-court rating of 73.3. For, con- for like context on the number, what does that mean, you may ask? That's just straight-up inept. That is horrendous. That is bad by any stretch of imagination. Cleveland for the year in the half-court is at 95.3, which also isn't good. Okay, That's 20th in the league. Last year they were tenth in the league, so there's a four that that's that's four and a half points per hundred possessions they've lost in half court offense, despite adding Max Struess and George Nang. That there, there's something weird going on there, and I, it's not all injuries. But the fact that they were down uh, at seventy against a team that came in with like a respectable defense, but not a great defense, like like what it, what 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 happened? Like there there's you could look at the rim, you could look at the way they attacked, you could look at just the overall quality of play ultimately, but. To post that for the number on your half court offensive rating to show up like that tells such a story about how absolutely inept they were as an offensive team in this game. It's hard to put a pinpoint on what happened to the Cavs. I think part of it is Darius Garland was really careless at the basketball and was pretty inefficient from the floor, two of eight from three point range. The fact that the Cavs, like, throw of the game was a technical foul free throw taken by Jared Allen like certainly says a lot like they they their first points first 16 points of the game were points in the paint or looks at the basket and the Cavs just abandoned that they didn't use the physicality they didn't play that downhill style that has been very effective for them in wins and um yeah like it just doesn't feel like one of those games where like okay they've, they've had a solid game against Toronto where they bounce back for a lackadaisical first half, they had a pretty strong win over the Hawks a few days prior. And then any of that momentum that they had, like just evaporated within the first 20 or so minutes of this game. And then the Blazers just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and eventually just found a way to uh, give the Cavs a taste of their own medicine and put their own foot on the throat of, of the Cavs versus like Darius Garland saying that the Cavs need to keep their foot on the throat of opponent for the entire game. But like it, it was a collective effort. Like it wasn't just Donovan Mitchell, like just not waking up until midway into the fourth quarter. Like he wasn't great shooting wise. He shot 35% from the floor, one to nine from three point range. Um, like I said, Darius Garland wasn't great. Jared Allen was mostly ineffective, even though he had my play of the night um, tonight, like Evan Mobley certainly showed up, but like it felt like empty 28 and three with uh zero blocks from him and then like max Drews was not getting his shots to fall uh he was three assists um he fouled out of this game actually and then like the bench unit just got outworked and the Cavs only won eight deep in this game like there's just a lot of things you can point at but i think a lot of it does have to go with the Cavs just abandoned what worked for them and they started getting a little too cute with it and like i said they they messed around and they found out pretty quick and they found out in a pretty embarrassing way other stat of the night I have that I think tells a story, and we'll, we'll go to yours. Portland had well, I, I already a shared mine. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, my bad. I, I've I was looking up. Um, I I did a quick Google of like coaching, like who all interviewed for coaching hires last summer. Um, and there's there's just some funny names in there, and also just some names available. I digress. Portland in this game had a turnover percentage in the bottom one percent. Okay, so they turned the ball over at a higher percentage than the Cavs did. They took better advantage of the Cavs' turnovers. 
the fact that they turn the ball over at the clip they did at a bottom one rate and you still lose against a team that came in with one of the worst offenses in the league is just like that's baffling that is like typically you a team you a team turn the ball over a lot and is sloppy like Portland was even if you are sloppy if they are that much sloppier than you you can make it work and the Cavs didn't and that just also doesn't compute. Like none of this like computes. Like it's just so weird. So weird. It's so speaking of Jackson Flickinger, um, editing his story current, uh, like looking at it for right down. You could write down. He wrote it like this. Something was broken last spring that hasn't been put back together. That fix hasn't walked through the door nearly through a quarter of the season. And like, I think that's the best way to put it. Like, the Cavs were exposed and kind of bullied and broken physically and mentally against New York. You would hope that George Niang and Max Struess would kind of alleviate some of the concerns along with like internal development and growth from Garland, Mobley, and Allen, and none of it has really clicked. Like I don't know precisely what's holding it back, but like the solution hasn't materialized either. Yeah, there's something just off here. All right, uh, play of the night. Um... I'm just going to go Evan Mobley second quarter. Evan Mobley had a very efficient offensive game in this game. Maybe the bright spot of the team. 9-14 from the field, 20 points, 8 boards. Did take another 3 at the top of the key. Opened up the game with a good um, assist to Jared Allen in, in that kind of growing connection. If there's a positive, that's that connection can be one of them as they turn things around perhaps. But he had a drive in the second corner. He ended with a nice dribble through traffic. Hit Niang with a pass to set up a nice 3. It was just good Evan Mobley control with his handle in transition part of a good all-over offensive game for him but you know ultimately does does that outweigh like i said it it felt a little empty you have an offensive game for evan mobile like yeah the counting stats are there but like the the Cavs got whacked by the blazers in the second half like kept them arm's length away they are up six points at halftime or outscored by five and then outscored by in the third quarter outscored by nine in the fourth quarter and like I think Mobley was effective. I think he did have some big plays. Uh, my play of the night was Jared Allen getting the uh, slam dunk off of a Darius Garland miss. And like, the, I don't know, like just seeing like that, like for a brief moment, gave the Cavs like a bit of a spark. And then Max Truce fouled out on the following possession, I believe. Um, so it was all for naught. But either way, like, yeah, like if you're looking at counting stats, like Mobley had a good night, but like it doesn't really matter too much when like you do get embarrassed like for context like duop reef is a two-way guy for the blazers um he's te- he's technically he's 27 years old but he's technically a rookie um outplayed mobley in this game quite a bit four or five from the floor three or four from three-point range 13 points two assists two rebounds a steal and a block in this one so like I think that's more meaningful big man minutes in a much smaller stretch compared to what the Mobley gave the Cavs tonight. Yeah. I mean, we, I said this at the top just to ask you, worst loss of the season, true or false? Oh, true. Absolutely. Like, okay. you could see Bickerstaff's anger was palpable when he spoke to the media for all of two minutes and five seconds. Um, you could tell like the players were clearly frustrated in the locker room. Um, I think it's certainly telling that the majority of the locker room was empty by the time media was in there because like everyone just wanted to dip out because they didn't want to talk about this game. 
and you hope they can let this roll off their backs, but like, you know, kind of carry the frustration that maybe take it out on the Pistons to be at least like the bite of pickled ginger when you're enjoying um, sushi to cleanse your palate. But other than that, like, yeah, and until unless something insane happens Saturday, this is the worst loss of the season for the time. They lose to the Pistons on Saturday and the Pistons win their first game since October. They went winless in November, and the Cavs make them feel better. If it's that the, happens, it's the Bogdanovich <laughs> return game, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if that if the Cavs are the bomb to fix the Pistons, um, that's that would be that would be better. Right after this, yeah, that that that'd be we'll suboptimal. We'll, we'll talk about that game and, and what the cat where the Cavs go from here up next. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time, which is the best way to find last-minute deals on tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. They take the guesswork out of buying tickets. I love the last-minute deals you can get in Game Time. I used it when I was in New York over the summer. People have heard this or when I went to Aces Liberty, and I, I have some events coming up here in Cleveland that I have my eye on on game time. There's also the game time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use our code LOCKEDINNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create that account, redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That is game. All right, let's dive into where the Cavs go from here. Evan, what do you, what, what is just, let's do one key each. You can go first. What is a key? What is something the Cavs can do? to move forward from this actually turn a page as Donovan Mitchell and others talked about. And, and maybe this is uh, something that they, they get through. What is, what is the way they actually move forward from this? If they are going to, I was going to be clever and do like an unwritten as Hasha betting field reference, but I'm just don't have the stamina for it right now. I say they could stare at the blank page before them, open up the dirty window. And banger. Yeah. Banger. Please don't copyright strike us, Natasha. Um, in all seriousness, though, continue to amplify and build upon what has been successful for you using the Cavs offensively. And that is continuously applying downhill pressure to opponents and just getting drawing contact and getting to the free throw line and, you know, doing the inside out approach when it comes to your offensive attack instead of shooting three-pointers or getting shot clock violations or again like getting very little free throw attempt i think the Cavs have really found a way to kill teams by using their physicality to get to the line and i think mobley making them in a much more reliable clip in garland and mitchell for the better part being very consistent at the line as well has been really helpful for the Cavs this season and i think that's something that they need to continuously do um just going forward like it has been a recipe for success and i i know like maybe the Cavs want to try different things and we talked about this like somewhat tongue-in-cheek just because the Pistons and Blazers are both such bad teams that maybe the Cavs do have the added luxury of trying some different things out there on the floor. But I think you should just kind of keep working on what's working and then you that lead that's so wide enough that maybe you can start experimenting and trying new things. 
versus like the Cavs, again, had like a three or four point lead heading into the second quarter, stretched it out a bit and then watched it get narrow again. And then they watched it evaporate in the second half. So that's just what they can do on the court and off the court. Like, again, internalize, break down the film of clearly a lot of things that didn't work in this game. But don't let it like give you that reservation or trepidations. And I don't know, like I I, again, I sometimes sit back and wonder, like, did that Knicks series do more damage than we care to admit? And it's still lingering with a good portion of this team right now. I think the the key for me is you just probably got to (laughs) chillax on Saturday. Like nothing out, nothing as sad as it sounds. A team who has not won a single game in November, two games on the year, they have one total. If the Cavs don't go in there and shellac them in their own house, I think you could uh, a win definitely calms the nerves. But if the Cavs come out and just like flat out dominate the Pistons wire to wire and just like let out all their frustrations that they may have on Detroit, you probably feel a little bit better uh, heading into just the remainder of your weekend for the Browns. Maybe ruin it for you. Here's the thing. We are going to learn something on Saturday about this Cavs team. I wholeheartedly believe that. This is oh, I do one of too. Which it's so weird to say though, because they're playing the Pistons, and we're going to learn so, something about this Cavs team against the Pistons. So here's my point: uh, a team that has Jaden Ivy as their eleventh man, the Detroit Pistons. So here's the point: if this is truly a turning point show up on Saturday and you roll. You take care of business. You play with a lot of effort. You're flying over. You're locked in and you cruise and you and you start turning the page and you gear up for what is going to be a tough stretch coming up here. Orlando, Miami, Boston, twice in Boston. Right? All these tough games are coming. If you show up Saturday and you're a little flat and it's off and maybe you not lose a good tone for the or next. You, it's too close... That tells me a little something about where this group is at and that there will be some red flags. I think Saturday is a really pivotal game for what we understand about this Cavs team, which is, like, as you said, it's a crazy thing to say about playing the worst team in basketball right now on a random Saturday in December. But that's that's where this Cavs season ended up after this loss. It, it just has. Yeah, that is. It's, it's just, again, the more you think about it or the more you say it out loud, the crazier it is. But it does make sense. And I'll ask you this, because like, if the Cavs come out flat or they don't, let's say they lose, which I would say like this team's all talk, man. And like that goes back to my point where, like again, a 51-win regular season doesn't mean jack, especially now when you're getting pumped by the Portland Trailblazers and the Detroit Pistons two games in a row. Like the Cavs could like struggle. Let's say... They struggle. Uh, JB maintains job security through the year, and like it ends up being the same result. Like right now, like th- they added new faces to the rotation, but this team feels very samey to what we saw against the Knicks. Like when the pressure is on, this team sometimes more or less crumbles. Like they they didn't against the Hawks, which was encouraging, but then like they're playing a really bad team, and things got tight, and the Cavs just folded to the uh, Blazers. I am just this Saturday is like truly like CT 
it's it's must see TV, and I I don't know if I would have thought that going in. Call your parents, tell them you love them, but you put your phone on DND. You either get your heart broken or have the best time of your. Here's what I will say. I will. I know. I mean, I'm not gonna hold you to this because I don't know what your plans are Saturday. Um, I will. And oh, I'm not gonna watch the game. I'm gonna watch the replay after. So I, I'm gonna watch it that night. I am. I that night I will do something on YouTube only, reacting to that game. That is my promise. I, Jake, you don't even have to produce it. I will just vibe, throw it up on YouTube, give you some reaction, and then we'll talk about it more on Monday. But I uh, will be watching that Saturday, and I will do some kind of YouTube reaction to that game. And I, I honestly, that that's wild that, I, that I'm about to do that, considering I, I would have thought this is just one of those games. Even three days ago, Evan, I thought that was a game. I would watch it. And we talk about it a little bit on Monday, but it's like, ah, oh, you know, they played the Pistons, they beat him. Now it's like, okay, what, what? There's, there's something to learn there, which is nuts. Again, weird, weird times. Um, before we head out, I will say I did name myself MVP for this game before it got much worse, just because I was excited to watch the Blazers play, and I did mention Shaden Sharp in this game. Uh, Scoot, not a factor. Um, Looked looked okay, passing the ball at least. But I did. I remember when the in the in arena announcer said Scoot Henderson made a three pointer. I'm like, no, he did not. And I checked, and it was Shaden Sharp who actually made him. Whatever. But you know, crazy stuff. Because I was certain going into this game that the Cavs were going to rock the Blazers, uh, beat the Pistons, and be on a nice four game winning streak heading into a pretty tough. At least on paper matchup against the Magic next week at home. All right. I will talk to you after Saturday night's game. Evan will be back on Monday. Thanks again to Jake Stevens. As always, have a great Friday, everyone. Be well. Enjoy probably, the week. Probably better than the Cavs. So, Unless they win by like 30 on Saturday, then maybe they'll be feeling better. Well, but no, do Friday nice morning, they can't play the Pistons until Saturday. So Friday, they got to stew on okay. it. So don't, don't yeah, let it bug you too much, guys. Yeah, but maybe there's some maybe there's some needed motivation, you know. I mean, I'm I'm more of a stoic and like you kind of just got to let things be, but maybe this is the time to get a little pissed off. We'll see. Talk to you Saturday after Cavs Pistons. Enjoy the hoops everyone or at least like don't hate watch them as much as you might be inclined to.